Previously on Overthinking It Recap 24. Cold brewing is an artisanal, painstaking process. Kitty Pride often played catcher. Beast, you know, somewhere in the outfield because he could hop it back. The juggernaut was on the X-Men. He would, uh, wait, hold on. Ah! Eric! This is a two-man podcast now. Do you think Matt's a mole? Do I think that Matt is trying to deny us coffee? No, of course not. Matt loves coffee, and he loves giving people coffee. But Listen, I, if you want, I can I can get an interagency protocol running just to make sure that he's okay. <laughs> protocols! Okay, well, is this the scene that explains what's going on, or is this the scene? Which one of the protocols is like the Ur protocol that informs right. the other protocols? The moment where layers and layers of protocols and, being disru- and protocols being disrupted and protocols being enacted in the warehouse coincides with like the personal and emotional protocols the involuntary or semi-voluntary emotional protocol of i can't kill these people because they're totally innocent and i like them more than my dead husband indeed i like them more than my dead husband phd in wing commander and also the doctor said she grew two inches this year we encourage you to come and visit us on the web at www.overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably probably doesn't the following takes place between 5 p.m and 6 p.m deserve and we go right into the next episode without a moment of rest i am it actually feels good yeah you know what we i think we're hitting our stride it's the five o'clock whistle and we are moving forward we don't even have to commute we can uh work right from our giant oaken table here which is just so lovely i'm pete fenzel and i'm here with ryan Sheely. hey ryan how are you doing I'm I'm doing great. I mean, I'm doing I'm doing really good. You know, it's just you and me reaching out to one another across this table <laughs> to recap this uh, this this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's been just. I was gonna say it's been just you and me, but there's been others. You know, we've seen we've seen Matt Rather, we've seen Eric Frieden. So this is, I think, part of why this is feeling good is that it's just. It's just you and me, and we're we're kind of like you say we're hitting our stride, but we're doing it together. Well, that's right. Yes, and I've I've gotten over the fact that you abandoned me earlier to go get your coffee. I had to process that, but I'm feeling good. And just like Jack Bauer shaking off a heroin addiction, uh, or a gunshot wound, or a stab wound, or any number of other wounds, or becoming um, weaponized with chemical, <laughs> with chemical or becoming weaponized with chemical and biological agents, I soldier on. We all soldier on. And you know what? I think the seasons hit its stride too. We had a great episode last week we have a solid episode this week i think everything's sort of happening and british things are happening too in britain which is not what was happening earlier on in the, in the season so that's all very exciting definitely. and it's i you know i think that is you know just talking about hitting its stride i think it's what's interesting though is that it's hitting its stride in a race that it's like running you know a 800 meter like you know it's what's cool is that this is a it's hitting part of the way it's hitting his stride is that this is a distance runner running, you know, a mile runner running um, the 800 meter um, race, right. right? And and that um, you know it, you really feel so. I'm I'm um, you know that uh, something that uh, I did just just before us starting this uh, long day was uh, start rewatching uh, or start watching season five of 24 mm-hmm. and. You know, and that's the first kind of full season I had, uh, the first uh, 24 episode season that I've watched since um, since the last one, since uh, what, day eight, uh, uh, about five years ago, four or five years ago. And 
kind of now with that fresh in my mind and like what the length of a full season of 24 um, feels like, this feels lean and mean <laughs> by, by comparison. And in some ways, the show just could should have been called 12 to begin with. <laughs> Because this is about the right length, you know, and, and there's still enough um, twists and turns, um, enough moles and enough um, kind of, you know, medium bads and big bads um, and kind of structures of kind of things doubling back and becoming revealed. Um, and it still breathes. So it's not a full sprint. It's not a mini miniseries uh, or it's not like um, – what 24 redemption i think was the uh, made for tv movie set in in which Z- uh, jack is a um starts as a um what as a missionary in sangala and then gets involved swept up in uh, colonel dubaku's uh <laughs> uh coup right. um and uh yeah and so i think that this is like i'm finding and i will see how it feels as each hour both of the series and of our recap goes forward but this is feeling well i mean first of all like i can you imagine how you would feel right now if rather than being well over halfway through you were just a little bit over a quarter of the way through this long day (laughs) jesus that you say it that way that's harrowing that would be harrowing if we had another uh 18 hours of this to go that would be something else yeah, I feel like we have a pretty good shot of making it through now. I mean, of course, we will, I'm sure, face our demons before this is out, but I, th- I feel pretty good. I feel pretty spry. So let's dive into this episode. I mean, do you feel good, Ryan? I feel, I'm feeling good. You know, the, the caffeine is still hitting me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a good time. I mean, we're, we're getting some, you know, really beautiful, a beautiful, it, it, we're, we're hitting that magic hour, cool. right? Yes. Of the day where, you know, the, um, the sun is, is getting really nice. You know, it's kind of the, the longest, hottest part of the afternoon is gone. Um, it's, you know, streaming, the sun's streaming in through our four, floor to ceiling windows, uh, that yeah. we have here. And so it's just, I mean, I'm feeling good. You know, I both, the room is illuminated. Um, the table is uh, is illuminated. I think that hopefully this everything uh, is this, illuminated. And I was saying, hopefully this episode will be yeah. uh, till 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 the time we're done with it. Can I get that last uh, orange orange slice? Oh yeah, yeah, it's all, all right. yours. Ah, oh, thanks, man. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, I'll finish this in a bit. But uh, so this episode, this episode five to six. So I've come to understand the structure of the episodes, if not of 24 in general, then of this half season of 24, this, you know, 24 middle distance sprint, as we've been calling right. it, the 24, 800, the, the 24, 800, yeah, the, the 12, the 12. Uh, and I've definitely come to see it. And this episode worked this way too, as each episode has a culminating act, a culminating gesture, something that a character does that climaxes the main uh, action of the plot, but also climaxes the character action of the plot uh, in terms of theme, right? And and right. Uh, in terms of motif. And so, you know, last episode, it was uh, hitting the button, right, on the laptop was the culminating act because it involved setting in motion the final protocols in our episode that was full right. of protocols. By the way, did you catch the very... I felt so validated. Did you catch the very beginning of this episode? Oh, yeah. Where Jack... But yeah, well, you know what he said, right? I forget it, but I it, it definitely jumped out. I was yeah. not able to take notes on this uh, all, the, all the way through, but I, there was definitely a protocol. He said, issue. "I don't give a damn about your protocols." Right. Yes, it's, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well, the British we... guy, right? There's this interesting like hangover, right? Like, yeah. I mean, because these are going in real time. I mean, that's kind of an interesting thing, right? And that just as um, our uh, it probably doesn't deserve rolled over. You get these kind of. Um, 
these these thematic holdovers like kind of like a sustaining note in like an orchestra or something like that um and so there's this kind of little bit of a reverberation of protocol um before we kind of move on to our next thing yes exactly they they and i do feel validated that then they that we think the episodes are about sort of the same thing that they think the episodes right. are about like i often say when i read other recaps the problem with theirs is that they're wrong <laughs> <laughs> Well, also the, that they're not doing them in real time. Yes. I which think there gives was, you that sharpness and urgency. That is true. That is true. Uh, I think there was a line in the AV Clubs. I actually – I read the, the Live Another Day AV Club recap for this for, week. For experts or novices? <laughs> Um, and I think that uh, there was a line in there that just made me just chuckle to myself. Where exactly was, was it? It was uh, – he literally, literally said something like – um, that, I, that I'm just I'm not going to think too hard about this, <laughs> and I'm like, no, well, leave it, leave that to the lost. experts, leave yeah, that to exactly. the expert level. Uh, anyway, so this episode, the big gesture, the big character gesture that seems to tie it all together, and, and it's interesting. So there's a big character gesture that ties the whole episode together, and it feels like the episode is sort of built out of echoes, sort of reverse echoes and foreshadowings yeah. of this of this act. Uh, so in the, in the sort of accepting responsibility for things, right, you know, we have the, uh, the, the president and all that other stuff. And it's, and then there, and then you go all the way back. You can find one that sort of most portentously explains to you what's going to be happening in a way that is detached enough from the main plot that you can discern that this is in fact the thematic and motif driven kind of substructure of, of the meaning of the episode. What Aristotle would refer to as the ideas right. of the episode. And so uh, the big one in this – the big gesture in this episode is the – you know, President Heller calling Margot Hellerazzi on the back channel video and having a direct conversation with her, right? I mean that's right. – Doing that, a Google Hangout. Basically. Yeah, doing a Google Hangout, which we've done. Uh, it's untraceable. Uh, um, I mean did you have any other different take on that as sort of like the main character, the culminating character – gesture of this episode no i think that that's um yeah. absolutely right and i mean i i mentioned that right in my in in the opening right mm-hmm. um that 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 seemed to me i mean that line um and there are like you say there are kind of these foreshadows um these these mirrors and foreshadows of that that kind of come before but really that it's just you and me reaching out to one another yes um really kind of um i think Especially kind of connected through to a number of other um, a, n- a number of other threads that I saw, um, and then I think that there's um, and then we can talk about um, some other kind of I think leading up to that in terms of kind of gesture of actually thinking about gesture physically. I think there's also the lead up to that. So the, um, and, uh, and I think it was, I believe it was Jameis, um, one of our, uh, one of our, our techs, one of our, our, uh, our, our Chloe's and Jordan's, uh, at their computers. Uh, I think it was Jameis, um, kind of, uh, re- requested that we talk about, uh, jackets, uh, a little more about mm-hmm. the putting on and taking off of jackets. Uh, specifically, I think in this episode, the putting on. And I think that the, um, you know, the thing that precedes that kind of the call itself is this the awesome kind of taking off the cardigan and putting on the, the jacket with the American flag. Pin. Yeah. Yes, yes. And standing up as the president in front of the camera. Yeah, yeah, yes. exactly. Yep. Exactly. And I think that that 
piece of the gesture of the standing up as the president with the American flag pin, I think connects to one set of scenes uh, that I love to talk about. And then the kind of, it's just you and me, um, mm-hmm. I think is a, it, it, uh, relates to another thing. And maybe they connect. Um, but I, I, I saw them as being at least, you know, two strands of the, the thematic DNA of this episode that are kind of intertwining around each other. Yes, definitely. I mean, I totally saw this episode as about, bosses as about huh. the way that bosses inter and whatever a boss means you because one of the things about 24 is they love to throw in inversions of the main theme in the episode right and and, and sort of confoundments so the theme is more symbolic a symbol being different from a metaphor or metonymy because it represents multiple things at once there's right. not a clear tenor and vehicle for how it operates so there's this symbolic figure of the boss or the president that hangs over this episode and manifests in a whole bunch of ways. The scene that, for me, told me pretty much everything I needed to know about how to look at this episode is when Jack goes to get his Serbian buddy from the MI5 people, right at the very beginning of the episode, right? And he says, he's with me, right? Because Jack Bauer has been given special dispensation because he's been working with the president. And they have an exchange where the MI5 guy tells him, you know, why this happened? Well, the, the prime minister told us to do it. And the MI5 guy goes, your president can take it up with him. And Jack said, I'm sure he will. Yeah. Right. And so this is two people who are interacting with each other in the context of their bosses interacting with each yes. other. That really it's the bosses who are talking and the yeah. underlings have a, a, a limited ability to directly affect what's going on. Yeah. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why when I first wa- – I watched this episode twice. And the first time I watched the episode, I had real difficulty figuring out what the theme was. And it was the second episode, or at least what I felt, what theme of it I connected to. I mean, I can yeah. name any yeah. number of other themes. No, but- I, I and I felt this as well. Um, and I didn't – I didn't connect with it in that scene, but then in um, a little later on, when um, the pr- president and the prime minister actually take it up with one another, oh, yes. um, the prime minister says a very interesting thing that is exact the exact mirror of um, what you said, which is, you know, I promised to not put um, armed soldiers on the street, but trusting a foreign agent is another thing entirely, mm-hmm. right? And so, and that that idea, and you know, on the one hand, a foreign agent literally means you know a um, an intelligence agent from another country, but it also means a in in the language of principal agent relationships of of that is a, in a, in economic theory used you know to describe these relationships where you have someone a boss who is like in this language the principal and someone who's doing something for the boss the the agent that you know that there is a a foreign agent a foreign agent is the agent of another principal mm. right um in that in that uh, line and so that that itself creates different problems because you don't have that person's not accountable to you they're accountable to somebody else who then is maybe horizontally accountable to you right that there's a peer relationship um and then there's another parallel vertical relationship yeah. and that there should be some comfort in that um you know in in that peer relationship and you know as they say they've been friends for a long time um but that it's still different from having somebody who is is under you um, and how to uh, and how to manage that relationship. I thought it was really cool how they went back and forth in different situations because the, the Al-Harazi conversation and the Prime Minister conversation are set up very similar to each other deliberately. They're mirrors of each other. Yes. The yes. president says some of the same things to Al-Harazi that he says to the Prime Minister. Can I trust you? Yeah. Right. And uh, 
the fact that the prime minister in one moment kind of takes away a lot of the president's steam by calling him James. Yeah. So there's this idea that their capacity as, as you describe them, principles – I like that word for it, that they're principles and that they have agents. Uh, that their, respond, their role as principles is different from their role as people who are individual friends with each other, right? And that the idea that they act – the interact with each other has an element of, you know, I don't have my power when I talk to you. It's, it's uneven. And then when, when Heller calls Margot – he calls her Margot Al-Harazi. She calls him President Heller. She speaks to him in somewhat of a surprised manner with a lot more formality than he speaks to her. I made a note that he says, if I choose right, to comply, and she said, yeah. you've already reached a position. Right? right. Like a right. person chooses. A principle reaches a position. Right. Right. And so right. you see the sort right. of duality right. of right. of person of like being an independent actor, which is something you have the luxury of doing if you're a sovereign versus yeah. uh, or if you're a principal, versus being having with you the sort of collective responsibility for an institutional chain of command of some kind, yeah. which is what makes you uh, uh, you know a, a, a person who comes to positions on things. Well, and I think another like thing that kind of a clue to this kind of key that kind of unlocks a lot thematically in that scene um, that, that is um, more cinemagraphic is, um, I don't know if you noticed this, that the way that there's two points, at least two points in that last scene where um, the the camera is on uh, Heller and then there's a mirror in the background where the computer screen is reflected in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the first happens where it's on uh, the camera's on Heller, and that kind of reflection of the screen is in the background. And then later on in the conversation near the end, it actually starts on the reflection and and zooms back out so that at a moment you actually have um, – I mean t- we, we talk a bit about you know sim- simulacra throughout kind of the overthinking universe. Um, but this is this interesting thing where it's a mirror image of – the computer screen and then in that you actually see the little heller window as well so you mm-hmm. see you see heller and you see mini heller um kind of reflected through these various kinds of screens um and so that that kind of idea of the person the the relationship and negotiating um, the relationship between the person and the principal i feel like there's that um i feel like that that is doing um that uh, 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 in addition to a, a few other things, I think it's like just like this really kind yeah. of you know. I mean, I, I feel like any time a like movie or TV show is playing with you know really in explicit ways with screens and mirrors, that there there's a lot that is being you know revealed about kind of. Um, the, the, that has a very strong potential to be very kind of metatextual and yeah. me- metafilmic, right? And about, yeah. be about kind of the process of making and watching yeah. films. This this episode has a, has a lot of that. You know what this episode, this episode all said? And I, we can jump to these scenes later because I still think there's more to talk about about these specific scenes. Totally. But the scene has a lot of doors and barriers where the yes. principal is on one side of the door and barrier and the agent is on the other side of the door or barrier. Uh, there, this is most notable in the hospital where Jack is outside the operating room pulling out the doctor to give orders as to what the doctor is going to yep. do to Simone. And then in the other case in Navarro's office where he, you know, he pulls Jordan into his office, right, to sort of uh, give him orders, right, and then sort of sends him outside of his office. And there's scenes where we see him from the outside. But I wanted to say a little bit more about how these scenes are shot because on the second watch in particular, it really struck me. So the whole beginning of the episode where Jack is in the warehouse and then leading up to that – uh, 
there's a uh, you know she's daring you to there's there's a there's a low and, and also involving Heller's conversation with um, with Boudreaux and with why do I forget her name already? You even have the wiki page of the names of the people. Audrey. I Audrey, right? Audrey's yeah. Because mm-hmm. he talks because the, the president talks with Boudreaux and Audrey before he talks to the prime minister, right? Right. Um, and right. then, and so mm-hmm. through that whole time, there's like a low sort of driving music that's going on that's kind of ominous. Mm-hmm. And people are generally feeling subdued and kind of low energy. And then, as soon as the president and the prime minister get in the same room, the music drops out and it's shot like a freaking pro wrestling promo. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, it, it like, totally, right? It totally <laughs> is. Teller is charging. At the prime minister, the camera is practically up his nose, and his mouth is just huge in the in the frame of the camera, and he's yelling right. And the prime minister is also coming right back at him, and there's this really like powerful energetic clash. So there's this yeah. idea that all the other people in this world are kind of like we're trying to deal with things. We don't really know what's going on. We have our bosses are going to talk about this. Then we see the bosses. Boom! When the it's two a boss people, fight, right? It's, it's a, a boss, boss fight. fight. It's <laughs> when when your president is taking it up with him. There's a energy and power to that, right? It's so much so that Heller charges forward into the room to talk to the uh, prime minister. Then he stops while the prime minister is talking, and then it cuts back to him, and he charges forward again. Like he, he crosses forward a second time to take totally. two or three more steps no, towards the prime totally minister. It's totally like um like a fighting video game, right? Yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah. And, you know that like a. I mean, in some ways, it's like a little bit like a, um, oh, what, like like Street Fighter Two or something like that, right? Yeah. In, in the and you don't ever get that shot, but you have that feeling of moving forward and backward, right? Of these yeah. two kind of things, or like you know, kind of like Rock'em Sock'em Robots or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the, exactly. The, the board, the, the the little board game with the the kind of boxing robots. Yeah, and the, and, and the prime minister even has his hands kind of in a little blocking motion as he's defending and defending and defending, <laughs> and then he strikes out. And the very shot at the end is a very flat shot of Heller looking like very disappointed, right? Yeah, and just sort of like Meh. like. And it's, I noticed there the main characteristic is his collar is kind of like stretched open, and his tie is very uncomfortably draped around the bottom of his neck. Right. And it's just this idea that he's like – he isn't looking very much like a principal in that scene because he, he tried to re- – so like – so the prime minister asks him a que- – or poses a question to him as a uh, an associate, as a friend, as James, right. right? Which is, is there something about your health that you need to tell me? And Heller responds as the principal. He sort of pulls rank, right? He treats him like an underling rather than right. like a peer and is like if there was something that – was the case, I would have told you about it. And then later he refers to that as like, I didn't handle it well. Right? Which is, which is interesting. That it was, that by sort of pulling authority in that moment, he, the negotiation kind of failed. And then of course right. later we see the prime minister speaking in front of a screen, no, speaking, speaking from behind the screen to the whole population. Right. Um, in right. his capacity as principal. Right. Um, no, I think that that's, I think that that's, um, definitely right on. And I think that again, that that kind of the, um, the boss fight and kind of the physicality of the boss fight, um, and the blocking of it and the acting of it, um, again, kind of connects with that, you know, the, the stand, putting on your president jacket, right? Yeah, taking off yeah. your grant, taking off your grandpa cardigan or your Mr. Rogers, right? It's basically, he's going from Mr. Rogers to Mr. President. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and right because like Mister one of the, one thing that Mister Rogers does is like switch his cardigans and switch his slippers right um, and like you know when he when he he comes in he puts his house 
shoes on. Um, and this is like the opposite, right? That he's taking off his, um, you know, house cardigan and, and standing up. And again, just the deliberate and the kind of the, the, the power in that. I mean, I thought this was really, um, like very, just very well, uh, acted, um, by, uh, was it William Devane, um, yeah. who plays Heller? It was just, it was just really cool. Both of those scenes were just amazing to watch, um, and really conveyed, um, a lot of this, right? Of, I mean, you talk a lot about, um, you know, a thing that's kind of entered the vernacular, um, through, I think largely through hip hop is being like a boss. Yes. Right. And, uh, and, and, you know, kind of is, is, is used, referred to a lot by like rappers like Rick Ross and it was parodied by, um, Andy Samberg in the Lonely Island, um, on, uh, SNL. But I feel like there's these kind of interesting moments of bossness and then losing bossness, um, or kind of, you know, having a more tenuous grasp on that. Or I guess kind of performing bossness. Yes. Right. But let's, um, let's jump to the inversion of that, which right. is that, cause that's what comes next in the episode. And I have highlighted the line here. That's the line where he goes, um, uh, why don't I just send you the files directly? Right. This is Jordan. And I, this is a very portentous line. So we jump to, we jump to the CIA London office where Jordan, uh, is encountering this random, you know, goon who is, wants his access codes. And of right. course, Jordan, we know from the previous episode, has stumbled upon evidence of a broader conspiracy. Right. And he doesn't know that he's stumbled upon this evidence. He doesn't know that this evidence is going to track back to his boss, uh, Navarro. And he also doesn't know the amount of trouble he's managed to get himself into. Uh, and so there's this line, oh, why don't I send you the files directly? And the guy goes, oh, okay. Kind of, kind of paused. It's almost like, you didn't, you didn't know this is the episode about bosses and not about underlings, right? Because you're right. trying to, you're trying to act like underlings matter in this situation and they really don't. And, and there's, there's this whole arc with Jordan where he keeps thinking like, I'm the important one. I'll send you the files directly. I get to go out in the field. Yeah, exactly. Really? I'm, a real, I'm really in the CIA. My mom's going to love this story. And then the guy's like, yup, of course. You're totally not a, a cannon fodder at this point. <laughs> right? I even, I love the, I love the line which comes back later. Cause there's the two lines. There's the line, the scene, there's two scenes. The scene with Jordan and the files. There's the scene where Jordan talks to Navarro. And then there's the scene where Jordan goes to the, the, the river to the boats. But right. there's the line where, um, he says, you earned it, right? Right, right. <laughs> and I love that line, you earned it, and especially how it's read, because it can read, I'm sure, in multitude of ways, but the two ways I thought of it was, okay, he's going to understand it as you yourself, through your actions, have deserved this Promotion and independence and coolness and secret agentness that I'm bestowing upon you. Today. And a jacket. You got a you jacket. Get, you get a jacket, right? You get a jacket, and you get a jacket, and you get a jacket. But the other way to say you earned it is that he has he has brought upon himself a fatal punishment. Yeah, you're getting what you deserve. You're getting right? what you deserve, and in that sense, the agency is on the person of authority for determining what is deserved for various for various discretions, right? So there's one sense in which earning it in this sense is the underling getting to be a principal. And there's another sense in which it's the principal Ramaya really getting to treat the underling like an underling. And Navarro yeah. says it very much like the latter, and Jordan totally misinterprets it as the former. Because right. uh, he's he's kind of uh, like, you know, lamb to the slaughter in this episode. Uh, and I just really thought that was very cool, showing 
this I mean that that's one of the cool things twenty four does is it kind of resets the rules of its universe every episode a little bit, just like right. just a little bit because it starts with like a new topic, it starts with some new thematic material, it could jump off in different directions at any time, things that mattered before can stop mattering. That's just something that's part of the show. Well, and, like and it's in part that because of because the you know the nature of the threat the both the threat evolves. Um, and the um, kind of you know tactics evolve uh, in kind of coevolution, right? Because yeah. you know that there's you think there's one problem, and then in your attempts to solve it, you you kind of push it in another way. Either the kind of pr- current person that you are focusing on um, shifts and kind of jukes a little bit, and then that often has some things that create some chaos, and then you adjust. Then then you the kind of um, the the like CTU or CIA, uh, the jacks kind of adjust, and then there's this kind of inchworming, or that at a certain point in a, in a season, um, you then move to the next level of bad guy. You move up the boss chain, yes, right. Um, and um, and and then it changes for that. So it's just this nature of the the true nature of the right. That it's I guess part of why it changes is that you know. There is a – in some ways what I, I actually almost think about um, – I love these kind of metaphors to try to grasp this. But I'm, I'm now imagining um, like an iceberg in every episode, um, like the water recedes a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And so that you have a sense of what this next piece of the iceberg is like. Um, and it's an iceberg in like the dark or in, in impenetrably dark water. And so you only know what's come before um and uh and and what the piece that you're on right now but that the terrain changes as the water um as the water shifts um and so what what you were doing at the tip of the iceberg um you know just is irrelevant once you're two thirds you know two thirds of the way down that iceberg and there's like dinosaurs on it for some reason (laughs) i I think i mean you bring up water right water is a powerful symbol in this episode right Uh, because this brings us to one of the other visual big visual indications of how power dynamics work in this episode which is when jordan gets shot and falls into the water and doesn't come up and so what you have is you have the hitman looking down into the water having difficulty finding jordan because he's so far up and jordan is so far down and jordan Mm -hmm. manages to survive Mm -hmm. because he's too far down right does that sound like anything um well, yeah. I mean, it, well, what do you think it sounds like? It's um, the same. It's the same. Well, it's a boss dynamic. chain, right? I mean, it's what you're saying. Oh, I'm saying like, it sounds a lot like Margot and, and Ian with the drone looking right. down at Jack oh, yeah, Bauer, yeah, yeah. and they can't hit Jack Bauer because Jack Bauer yes. is too far down, and they're too far up. Well, and so the other thing that it sounds like to me is the um, relationship between um, is, is is another right that so to kind of connect all of these things um, is the phone call between. Um, uh, between Navarro and who we are revealed uh, is the the shadowy voice on the other the shadowy disguised voice, um, which is uh, Adrian Cross. Right, right, and Adrian Cross. You know, on the one hand, as uh, you know, he gets revealed as being actually above. Um, you know, for an anarchist, you know, he actually really knows his uh, place in a hierarchy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, like you know that he is like he knows that he's above. Um, you know that that he's uh, above Navarro, but then he says, "I'm just a middleman, 
Right. And then, and so there's, then he's actually projecting forward of that there's more boss chain yet to come. Yes. The the elusive, mysterious Chinese bosses, which lurk out of sight in most of the second half of 24. Yeah. 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 yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, but right. That, like the guy that Assassin sent to kill Jordan, they're too far up. Right. That, um, and that, and, um, right. That kind of, I mean, so that one is, is actually, Again, an inverse of of that uh, of the um, of the drone uh, drone vision and um, uh, and and assassin vision of you know similarly when you are at the bottom you can't even see what's only what's what's too many levels ahead of you you only see you know the the thing that's directly above you the water or the cloud cover um, or the you know the your immediate boss yeah or the bridge yep. or or so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I especially liked the moment where Navarro m- mentions that Adrian Cross has access to their systems, which to me says, oh, you can micromanage me. Like, you're capable of giving yes. me direct supervision, which is not something I'd considered before. You're my boss, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. okay, you're in the chain of command now, and you're my boss, and you're giving me specific orders, rather than yeah. being somebody that I've been, had a shady relationship with in the past, but which I, within which I've had a fair amount of autonomy. Um, yeah, and it's, I mean, that's interesting. It, it could be I, I part of me hopes that that this relation this is kind of a plot prediction and kind of a like thematic wish, but I I kind of hope that um I actually hope that Adrian starts micromanaging Navarro more um and in part because that that is a major trope in 24 that you you see in the full seasons of 24 of someone from division coming in um right of like what uh like sean astin coming in um and and kind of wanting right wanting to be given all of that access and asking you know demanding of bill buchanan all of the things that adrian cross now has over navarro um and albeit in you know this kind of informal um hierarchy but it's, it's still a similar kind of thing and the kinds of um, ways of of managing up. I mean, I, like the, the the that you see. Um, I think that in that season, and that's again from uh, season five. Um, the kind of uh, you know the Bill Buchanan is like this kind of interesting. Um, and I actually didn't get to finish that season before this day, so I don't know how that evolves. But there's it's an interesting case in kind of being a middle manager, right? Of minding who is below you and above you, right. and kind of being that bridge point, being that like place where the water breaks. Um, and it's interesting that like just the head of a specific CTU office is that. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of an interesting the, being these kind of connectors. And again, in a given episode or or arc of a season who is at in the middle changes a little bit yeah. because of it's all kind of the water level rises and, and yeah. falls a good character gesture in this episode that communicates this relationship is when ian is flying the drone which by the way navid would have killed them so that's <laughs> ian is clearly not as good as navid is right. at, fi- at firing the missiles but when navid is piloting the drone margo is telling him what to do at all times she is the one who is in charge and she is look and she is just looming over him not sitting down right that really powerful position that she has over him when he's his chair must be tiny because he's way down near the ground (laughs) she's on a step stool (laughs) exactly and she's like got her hands on the desk and she's hunkered over like she's general Patton over a map of europe right like and, and looking into the giant screens and then there's the moment after the last missile fails and there's this great shot where Ian looks up at her, right? And you see Ian is is like, what is she going to do? What right. is she going to say? Right. And she has this thousand-yard stare going on, 
right? So it's right. it's like it's it's uh it's like Yates when he's talking about Caesar and it's the long legged fly you know moves on the silence, right? It's just like uh, this idea of like the the le- the wheels are turning in the mind of the leader and everyone else is sort of watching in apprehension to see what happens, right? Um, and, and so and that's really cool because again if if we're eventually getting to that point of your president will talk to him about it. In this case, him being her, uh, and then Jack being, I'm sure he will. Right? Like we're eventually getting to the point where the principles are going to clash because yeah. she's sort of running out of other sorts of ways to indirectly affect what's happening. Yeah. At least at the moment. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, just another instance of that of her kind of controlling him, who's then wielding the controls, uh, uh, the kind of two level controlling um, that Margot exercises. Is that I forget. It's, if it's, bef- I think it's before that. It's either before or after that. Um, when she she says, "Well, you know," th- there's a moment where she says to Ian, "Like, tell them to pack up," and then he immediately goes, "All right, everybody, pack up." <laughs> and then there's nobody that like he is communicating to that's out of earshot, right? <laughs> and that was just so awesome because yeah. it's like, well, you could have done that, but like that's not what she does. Right. She bosses him around, even if, you know, that in terms of actual contact, uh, there's no difference. And she could be like, all right, everybody roll it up. Um, yep. So I thought that was just I thought that was really funny and really interesting. Yeah. So and then so here we can branch the conversation off into one or two directions, because there's two different situations that are very similar to one another in a lot of ways. There are situations where Margot is looming as a potential boss over what is happening. And Jack Bauer is in crisis mode and trying to figure out whether he can continue because Jack Bauer always sort of considers himself to be a boss although he does generally though not so much in this episode with the same sort of grace that he generally does he generally places himself under the office of the president and his loyalty to his country right but yeah. in, this, in this episode Jack is more frustrated and we actually see some real moral complexity out of Jack this episode and not just him considering himself but him portrayed to the audience in a way that is not unambiguously positive right, right? even even within universe right. um so right. the the question is, do we want to talk about Jack trying to establish some degree of independence under Margot when she's trying to kill him with missiles? Or do we want to talk about Jack trying to establish some sort of independence with Margot when he's dealing with her dominance of Simone? Um, let's do the Simone one first because that happens first chronologically. Gotcha. So the, the um, hospital sequence, the long right. hospital plot in the middle of this episode is a really complex interplay of of principal and agent relationships that yeah. change constantly and it's actually really kind of pretty when you when you when you finally see it uh when you see the the parts of it right because you have first the first, the main relationship here is well there's two main relationships there's Jack and there's Kate and Jack is Kate's boss right and then there's Simone and there's Margot and Margot is Simone's boss right and during the course of this part of the session Simone is separated from Margot and Kate is separated from Jack and then Kate and Jack come back together and then Margot and Simone come back together with the destruction of the hospital we see Margot's presence reappear right right uh, and when there's also the other guy who works for Margot as well who, yes, who is in play right? yeah yeah Kareem is in play Kareem, it is interesting right. it is really interesting that Kareem is like the least autonomous hitman i've ever encountered he's what like do I con- do now? <laughs> he's like he's like 
He's on the phone with the boss. He's like on the phone with the secret location and the terrorist leader being like, I can't find her in this hospital. What should I do? <laughs> like, and they're text messaging each other, like specific directions about what to do in the situation. Yeah, no, I mean, Kareem's like uh, performance evaluation will be like, you know, exhibits some initiative but needs to learn to work on projects uh, independently. <laughs> Kareem is clearly one of those guys who like early in his career made a bunch of independent decisions that his boss criticized for reasons he doesn't understand. And so, <laughs> for the entire rest of his career he's like constantly just deferring to his bosses because it's like they tell me to do all sorts of crazy garbage what are they going to tell me to do this time I would actually love to like write like for the entire like I, I want to write fan fiction HR documents for the entire <laughs> the entire 24 universe of like just all these like 360 evaluations of yep. people like evaluating one another from different parts in the hierarchy yeah, the, I think that'd be tremendously fun I feel like one of the main things would be on the like CT learning platform. Jack yeah. Bauer has like 50 required trainings that he hasn't completed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, it even says, like, needs to stop relying on others to execute these basic protocols. Yeah. <laughs> So 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 let's talk. So Simone, right? So Simone has this great uh, this great interaction with Jack. Jack is trying to use the tools that he generally uses to dominate people to dominate Simone, right. and she has this great line where she says, "Just because I took pity on Yasmin and her mother." does not mean I will betray my mother to you, which right. is totally a, like, my boss is going to talk to your boss kind of yep. conversation. Yep, we're not going to talk to each other because we are from different principles. We are agents of different principles. And Jack does not like this. Uh, partially and also, because, and yeah. it also implies you're not a boss. Exactly. Right? And, and Jack like, this like, is, she, she's basically saying this is above your pay grade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She, she pulls rank right from this like yeah. really kind of weak position – Pulls rank on him. Um, on Jack Bauer. She pulls rank on Jack Bauer from a hospital bed. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, um, which is just amazing. And Jack is, and to and like to her credit, and to the credit of the show, it basically defeats him. Like he doesn't have a way of dealing with it. Uh, and, and there and there's a situation. There, there's that marvelous situation where he tries to sub, to subsume Margot's place in the relationship with Simone by reenacting on Simone the yeah. finger chopping off that Simone yeah. did, right? It's like, well, her mother cut her finger off, so by inflicting a lot of pain on her finger, I can become yeah. her mother or something, right? I can yeah. become the principal again. I can reclaim this position of authority, which I can't have because she sees me as from a different principal chain. Right, and she doesn't right. see me as a boss. Well, I'm going to force myself to be a boss because I'm going to assault her. Right, and what Jack and what Jack doesn't realize in that moment is that f for him to actually take that mother um, place, he'd have to sew a finger, give her a finger, and then take it off. Yeah. <laughs> right, no, because it's yeah. it's it's one thing to just hurt your a stump, right? It's but that it's not just that um, you know Margot made her finger hurt but that margot brought her into this world is her mother you know gave her this um you know and g gave her you know made her a lot of who she is and then took this away yeah. that is the kind of you know the the basis and nucleus of their of their of her kind of their, their psychological um relationship so just doing the taking away doesn't um replace that right yeah. it's, it's it's not the same it's not the same right and of course and we learn here in the most really surprising way that torture isn't just about information it's about power that jack mm -hmm. does this because he hates them and, and for because of the things that they're willing to do right the thing to ju the things that the ways they're willing to justify what they do right and then and kate is just like 
awkward, <laughs> right? Right? Isn't, isn't that amazing right. where he yeah, says, definitely. yeah, it's just, I'm trying to, I'm, I think I wrote down the exact wording. Did I write down the exact wording? Um, may, maybe I didn't, but it was just like, oh man, it, it was just the way that he talked about the, you know, how they're, how are they able to justify the horrible things that they do right after he tortured an yeah, exactly. incapacitated woman in a hospital bed. No, it was totally um, Bowerian irony. In oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? It, was, it was a kind of an inverse of Bowerian irony of rather than before doing the thing saying, oh, but we can't do this and then doing it. Yeah. This is the like just being you know, doing something and then have having no memory or awareness, self-awareness of that what you are saying applies to you as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I love that it's not resolved, that there's no resolution of it in the show. It's just sort of a, a texture piece of really powerful, dramatic piece, something that really matters to their relationship, something that matters to Kate, something that matters to us. It's just like a beautiful note of all sorts of reversals and irony in that statement that I just thought is really something that was like, it's like when a, uh, it's like, it's like when a car has a much nicer interior than you would expect from its class, right? That was like an that was like an Oscar screenwriting caliber kind of revelation, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm, I'm joking because the rest of the episode is a car commercial. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, exactly, and yeah. um, and and I guess we're about ready. To no, let's, let's talk about the hospital a little bit more. Okay, a little bit more good, about the good, good, because there is some other interesting stuff in the hospital. I yeah. and I think this stuff, especially there's the stuff with Yasmin in the hospital that yes. I think is interesting. Um, and then we can. Kind Kind of pivot because I think that ultimately, you know, what makes this, you know, because this is um, 24, um, even or a 12, right? It, it, because this is a 12 and it's not the 12th of 12, it needs to keep going, right? That, you know, a, in some ways, a, um, you know, a two, a 24 redemption, a, a movie or a made for TV movie would take this in a different way because, because Jack has hit this wall and he, like you say, he's kind of doesn't know what to do. And it only makes, goes forward when Margot kind of makes a mistake, right? Where she is like, well, um, uh, she, uh, she betrayed me once. I won't let her betray me again. Yeah. And, you know, like sends the, dr- has, has the itchy drone finger. Yeah. Um, basically. And then that kind of then, um, sets off the next kind of leg of that where they leave the, it sets off, the, initiates the car infomercial, basically. <laughs> right. So, so with Kate, before we get to the yeah, car yeah, infomercial. Sure. Yeah. So Kate, this is another situation where 24 plays with, inverts, changes around its motifs, stays in the same sort of general area of them, but shows you different facets of them from different people's perspective. Yeah. Kate manages to get uh, the um, uh, ja- ja- Jasmine, Jasmine. Jasmine, yeah, Jasmine to talk Jasmine, yeah. by not by treating her in the way an authority figure would treat her, but by kind of going down to her level and talking yeah. to her as an individual person, yeah. which is which is the thing that kills you in this episode generally because it's like uh, it's like the thing that can't happen. It's the thing that none of the people in this episode happens in their reality for this hour of television is that you can just have a frank conversation with somebody when the two of you aren't the bosses of what you're doing, um, right. and there's an intimacy and an innocence to it that is absent from the entire rest of the episode, which makes it stand out and makes it powerful. Uh, well, exactly. I mean, it, right, it starts with the first thing she says to her is, I hope you like ginger beer. Yes, yes. And like, and like, oh, wow, she cares about my welfare. She got me something. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm giving you something as opposed to I'm making you do something for me. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and then the first thing that um, Yasmin says to her is, you're American. Uh, and she goes, yeah, yeah, I am. Um, and I think that that's, I mean, I think that that's interesting in um so i think that what what's interesting about that is not that even like she says 
right? So I think that there's a number, a couple of things that are interesting about that. One, in terms of what we're talking about, um, uh, I think that you know, rather than saying you're a grown up um, or you're a lady, she says you're an American, right? And in some ways, it's possibly a way to process why is this adult sitting on my level. Um, and, and, and offering me a ginger beer and talking to me like this. Well, I mean, it must be these American, like even a child, um, and again, it's a child who's grown quite a lot in the last year, um, and was doing her homework. So she's smart. The and doctor clever. says it more than two inches. <laughs> more than she grew more than two inches. Um, uh, and, uh, and later we just, uh, has also a pretty well formed sense of revenge and justice. <laughs> Uh, killing um and so but she sort of you know is processing and says well you're you're an american um i mean and also and and so i think that that's a really like an interesting thing and i think that also as a, a, a an aside kind of even though it's not in this scene so much the statement you're an american kind of also resonates thematically um a bit with some of these um you know who who the bosses are right that um and again it's not so self-aware there but that kind of saying you're an american i feel like echoes uh, and rhymes kind of with heller's um pin on his president jacket um and with the um you know saying jack saying i don't want to keep running into um you know running up against british police and um and saying and uh, the prime minister saying a foreign agent is another thing right so that that kind of line of the the first two things they're they're kind of volley both says some interesting things about their relationship and the kind of interesting what this kind of says about the hierarchy hierarchy relationships um but then also in some ways what the the content of the of, of what yasmin says first i think also then links back up to these other chains um, of principal agent relationships in other ways. Yes, and when she says, I hope she dies, it, <laughs> it reminds Kate of the principal relationship of this girl, which is that she's from a family of terrorists, right? right. And, and it's like, wow, this girl has had a rough time of it. Uh, right. And so, and this is what inspires Kate to come back for Yasmin, I think. Because yeah. yeah. when Kate comes back, she is acting as Yasmin's mother, not as her equal. She sort of serves as a surrogate protective mother figure for Yasmin, finding her huddled in the corner, literally right, like and she's, a, she's her above her, her, right? She picks yeah. her up, right? Yep, yeah. yep. She finds her down on the floor. She picks her up and she escorts her out of the building. And there's this sense where Kate has, through coming to understand her, realized that she needs to be this person's supervisor and protector. That right. this is sort of a very elemental way in which these sorts of relationships form in the first place, which is that there's somebody who needs to be protected and who's kind of been abandoned by somebody else. And then you step in and you're the person who ends up protecting them you know that's kind of a bit of a microcosm of some of these larger uh, even if the social contract is a bit of a fantasy these kinds of relationships that people expect you know when jack says oh my president will talk to you know my my, my dad can beat up your dad is kind of right. like <laughs> right <laughs> even if it's not true from the perspective of the dad it's true from the perspective of the kid right uh, right. right and i think that that's interesting though that you know just as um, Simone is kind of taking on that protector kind of mother role um, with Yasmin. Then Jack does. Kate that. is. Kate is oh, sorry, Kate, yeah, yeah, Kate, 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 Kate. Sorry. Um, uh, then Kate. Uh, sorry, Jack does that with Simone. Then um, right, he picks her up and kind of leads her out. And that's also about. And it happens 
when she is, as you say, kind of abandoned, right? When Simone is not not actually abandoned, but actually hunted down with a drone by her mother. Yes. So what <laughs> happens is that Jack becomes Simone's surrogate mother, right? And Kate becomes uh, Yasmin's surrogate mother, yes. and then the whole family gets together and goes for a drive in the family car, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Although Yasmin doesn't go; she stays with the authorities. But then there's like, okay, family, we're going for a road trip, right? and they exactly. all get in there. Are we there yet? <laughs> are we there yet? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, and of course, as as the show, I was really surprised that the show didn't do more to tell us specifically what car that was, because I had difficulty recognizing it at first, even though that they've shamelessly, shamelessly showed off both its interior and exterior features at length during this car chase. Yeah, I think well, my- that's, that's interesting then, because, you know, there are a lot of cases where um, – which which is interesting then what does it mean to have a car commercial that is not this is like an advertisement for cars writ large right <laughs> well here's the thing i think it's i think i largely blame chrysler because I think that there are a bunch of shots where the Chrysler logo is really clearly on display, but the Chrysler logo is awful and hard to recognize. It's oh, wow. just like a pair of wings, right? right. Um, and it's also in gold on a black car, so it, it's not really clear. Like you, the Chrysler logo, you could tell the Chrysler logo was bad. Um, for one reason, because it says the word Chrysler in the middle in tiny print so, <laughs> right. in a way that you can't read it. So if you don't know what it is, you have to get really close to it and want to look at it to figure out what it means. But I think it's just because there's also a whole bunch of other car brands that involve wings, like Rolls Royces and stuff. Right, and um, Bentleys, I think, have Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like a motif well. in car logos for like fancier cars than Chrysler's. But yeah, but I did – I actually would like to – I'd like to thank uh, Patrick Waters, who is a commenter in a thread on the New York Daily News recap, for letting me know that it was a the, that was the new 2015 <laughs> Chrysler 200. And as Patrick Waters points out, it is the new, as yet unreleased, 2015 Chrysler 200 with left-hand drive in a country where all the cars have right-hand drive. Yeah, <laughs> if okay. you notice that. Well, and, and, well, and then the, and that for me, and I mean, you even notice. That in addition to that, there's a moment in this uh, scene, and it's part of an evasive tac- tactic. But Jack is driving against traffic. Yes, right. Jack's going the <laughs> wrong way, and so for me, oh, wow. ha- having seen the um, Yasmin scene of "You're an American," like, yeah. like here I am in my American car driving in an Amer- against traffic. <laughs> um, this is a little American bubble fighting against the stream. They right? must have been joking about that in the writers' room. It's like, what are the things Jack Bauer will do in London? Well, he'll drive on the right side of the road because he doesn't follow the rules <laughs> right it's awesome it's, it's, it's so awesome. perfect right yep yep i mean um, we talked a little bit about um you know some of the different kinds of video games how there's a fighting game element um in the uh the the boss fight um and also we didn't say it directly but there is i mean we've alluded to um the video game aspects and the kind of wing commander-ish aspects of um the drone piloting and the meta piloting of of margo um you know kind of backseat uh drone piloting uh, ian but then this sequence is like um is is uh, gr- you know, Grand Theft Jack Bauer, right? Yeah, because yeah. he's in one car, and then he he jacks two other <laughs> Jack jacks two other cars. Dude, right? the Jack jacking in this episode is awesome. <laughs> he just right. like just wails on the guy. <laughs> yeah, it's. To- I mean, it really was a lot. I mean, it brought like literally flashbacks to playing Grand Theft Auto Four. Yeah, um, because like, I mean, it was like I'm surprised he like didn't turn the radio on and like push it to the limit was on or something like that. <laughs> that right? was basically was- Jack Bauer being like, "I'm the boss." Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, it was exhibiting um, something uh, that uh, I actually just heard recently, actually from uh, Matt Rather, which is, uh, uh, I guess, a term in uh, among Drupal um, programmers, uh, which is duocracy. Um, which is ruled by the people who are who are just willing to do something. Oh, I've been involved um, in projects like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, me too. And it was amazing to kind of um, hear it described as that because I have not heard it in my own kind of line of work of studying organizations and institutions. Um, and maybe it's maybe it's just because it's just, it's particular to more of a business uh, world or specific pockets of that. But it, it, I immediately recognized it, and it's amazing, right? This kind of you know pragmatic authority, right? The, the authority becoming a boss by virtue of being the of just willing to do it um, and kind of and but this is interesting is that Jack's not just kind of left holding the bag um, or you know sometimes you see that right sometimes you see well Jack is a um, uh, you know is this boss because no one else can do it or will do it and he's just there and what you see and you see this throughout the series of like there are some times where you know it could be done another way and yet it happens jack's way so that he can still be the boss right (laughs) that and i'm not saying that jack wants these things to happen or wants it to you know go down this way but like there's definitely you know i i would love to like catalog all the times where jack says this is the only way yeah come on come on jack like this is the only way for you to be getting to do it yes yes um and and but like that itself becomes self-fulfilling right that he kind of says this is the only way and so then he gets to do it and so it's not only the duocracy but it's like the what's possibleocracy right the, the 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 being able to say and define what can be done then um is the best way to be a duocrat um because if other things are impossible and there's only one thing to be done and you're the only one who can do it then you're the boss um, but because there's only those, uh, you know, very few other options. I mean, it's and this brings us to sort of the one scene in the episode I think that we haven't addressed yet. Uh, although there's a couple in the hospital that we kind of consolidated, but which is when Jack gets the call from the president that it's like, right. Jack, I need you to come here and I need to talk to you directly. Yeah, you yeah. you are the person. You have proven that you are the doer. And uh, I, as the boss, need to bring you up to my level. It's almost like Jack kind of goes to heaven a little bit at the end of this episode. He gets dropped off at the presidential residence or what have you on the way to – on the way to the hospital for Simone. Right. Or he like, or it's like a Mario Brothers power up. And he's like, boop, boop, boop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets the mushroom and he grows. Yeah. He's like a little raccoon and he like raccoons up to the, the president's level. Yeah. But one thing <laughs> about Mario that Brothers scene. 3 right there, folks. Yeah, exactly. Tanuki, Tanuki suit. Uh, he's got Karibu shoe and he's stomping all over <laughs> London. Um, so I liked, I, I liked, obviously I didn't like it, but the shots of all the devastation, right? The president says, yeah. I saw the devastation at the hospital. Hospital, right, and it's uh, just how it's interesting that they show the president looking at it. That the president is really the per- first person to feel the pain of the people on the ground, which is right. not necessarily the default way of understanding authority and the political discourse these days. But it is one that uh, that twenty four has been fond of in the past with its uh, sympathetic Palmers and other sorts of benevolent presidents. Uh, but this idea that the president is really personally deep that Margot has managed to talk to the president through the bodies that are on the ground. Even yes. though Margot was really trying to kill Simone, there's also this is all part of a conversation and leading up to a conversation between Margot and the president. Yep. Um, and, and this idea that, oh, it affects him so much 
Um, well, and that's interesting because that is gets back to the conversation that we were having about visibility and kind of the depth depth of vision, mm-hmm. right? And and so this is again um, actually a a case where someone from the top can see the bottom, where, where like the water all of a sudden becomes less murky, yeah, um, and he can and he can see that, um, and that kind of coincides um, gets very close to um, you know the dream ballet, which also features Jordan climbing up out of the depths. Right and and becoming visible um, again and I uh, I have I think you're, you have one guess of the first person that Jordan calls. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, he calls Kate. Of, of course, yes, right? of course, because he is in love with her. Yep. <laughs> that's why he calls. He doesn't call her because she's the right person to call. No, he calls her because he's in love with her. I wonder if that's going to be one of the themes of the ep- of one of the following episodes, I which think is so. that that my relationship with you is not really based off the fact that we work together. It's really based off the fact that I love you, and it's going to end up with Jack and Chloe together, right? Because they love each other, not necessarily in a romantic way, but like in the way that Jack Bauer ever really meaningfully loves someone who isn't like tragically killed. Um, right. I guess that's, that, that'll be fun. I mean, if, if if there's any luck, there will be like. Actually, I really hope there's a um, a a Jack, uh, Audrey, Chloe kind of love triangle, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes this like weird kind of like John Hughes movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, before before we break, because Chloe also has dark hair in this season, right? Right. And so Chloe having dark hair, though we know that she normally has blonde hair, versus. Uh, Audrey, who has blonde hair, and Jack, who has blonde hair. There's definitely a triangle potential there. And I also wanted to address because well, a, con- a lot of Jack's, I mean, a lot of earlier, some of the earliest women that Jack was with had dark hair, right? That um, yeah. both Jack's um, uh, first wife, whose name actually totally escapes me because it was so many uh, years ago, um, and then Nina Terry. also has dark yeah. hair. Nina has dark hair, and Terry also has. Terry, Terry, that's Terry, right. Terry, yeah, Bauer, Terry yeah. also has. Well, Terry has like highlights, but that whole season was lit all blue, so it's hard to tell sometimes what color <laughs> the people's hair actually is. But Andrew, uh, Andrew Bonapone, uh, Bonapone, uh, sent me a note asking about because he went back to read about George Mason, who we talked about in one of the right. previous episodes just a couple hours ago, and he was talking about uh, Kate Warner in the second season. Uh, and oh, you were, so, right. and this is an interesting dynamic because Kate Warner looks a lot like. Uh, Kate, this one, uh, um, right. who, who again, whose name, her name escapes me. Uh, let me look Morgan, at the list of characters. Kate right? Morgan, yeah. So Kate Morgan and Kate Warner look fairly similar. Uh, now, to clarify, and it's like, well, are they because si- then Kate Warner ends up happy hanging out with Jack a lot. The deal in season two is that there are these two sisters who love each other so much, and they're best friends, and one of them's getting married, and. Uh, the the season sets up and one of them's getting married to a dark skinned Arab man, right? right? And right. the season wants you to think that the dark skinned Arab man is a terrorist, but right. he's just a doctoral student. He's not a terrorist, right? And it's revealed that actually the blonde sister of of Kate right. Warner is the terrorist, right. and she's right. like this sort of like yep. that's a really impressive performance that she puts in with her sort of like wicked infantilized girl terrorist. She's a lot more. She's basically like the archetype that Simone is, but she's a lot better at making her simultaneously like cute and awful. Um, right, whereas because like Simone kind of goes for the crazy eyes way too yeah. often. Oh, like, but this girl—I mean, the the oh, Warner yeah. sister goes for the Warner sister dot goes for a lot of crazy eyes through that whole season, but especially at the end. But at any, and at one point she puts on a black wig, right? So right. The, the main the main thing is that 
blondness in that scenario is associated with comfort and Americanness and safety, and and darkness is is associated with foreignness and terrorismness. And right. the se- the season sh- surprises you, but with a twist where you look in the mirror and then you see the face of the person who ha- does all these terrible things. It's your own sister, right? right. Uh, she's the one, and it's like, wow, you know, I didn't know that these signifiers that I have around me aren't really reliable, right? And so there's a reason why Kate Warner looks like Jack Bauer. And it's mostly because Cape Warner's sister looks like Jack Bauer, and we're supposed to mentally group them all in the same camp. Right. Um, but we don't. But we end up not doing it. So just that's for Andrew to sort of understand the dynamics. Here, I really do think that Cape Morgan is mostly supposed to look like Kim Bauer, but right. to be sort of like a Kim Bauer that follows in her father's footsteps. Right. It's sort of like right. A it's fantasy. kind of the alternate universe, Kim Bauer. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Um, and at that, I think we're we're pretty much at time. So if you Woo. love, if you, yeah, it's great. We finally got through an episode without any crazy interruptions. Yeah, this um, is great. I mean, we're just. I feel like we can just run it out. Like, I mean, I'm feeling like I have momentum. I'm ready to go into that next hour. But I yeah. mean, do do the thing and end the episode, and we'll cycle back right. like we did uh, um, the last hour. So yeah. So make sure that you subscribe to our audio feed here on TV Recaps. That you uh, subscribe to our main. Mainline podcast. We had a great episode last week, uh, last last Sunday, which was uh, really, really something experimental and special. And I want you to, to check it out. And Ryan, Pete, it's Matt. Oh, I just came from the cold brew coffee, and I, I, I had to talk to you. Is it finished? No, not even close. But there's something else, and it changes everything again. Mm.